This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, for any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, welcome into the post-trade deadline edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee, we are standing outside the Bills ticket office slash media room. Why are we not in the sun? Let's move over this way. Well, you didn't want to make me move. That's why. Oh, I forgot, Matt. That's right. Wait, you walked into the media room today with your little scooter. What's it been like on the scooter? Uh, It's been good, but I've been improved from week to week to probably day to day. I know I told you I was week to week earlier, but I can walk now. I've got the walking boot. The crutch, or excuse me, not the crutch, the cast came off today, and it it feels unbelievable, incredible. Does it itch? It did, yeah. I was actually, not right now it doesn't because I actually have access to it. I don't know if this is gross or not, but I'll just tell you. I was using a paint stirrer, like a wooden paint stirrer, to get in between the cracks so I could itch when I had the cast on. But now I don't have to do that anymore because I can walk. I was feeling bad for myself because I stubbed my little toe really bad and it's all black and blue. Now I feel a lot better looking at you. You're not going to run the 40 anytime soon, though. No, it's going to be especially the side-to-side movement. I'm kind of like Trey White right now. The straight line speed's still there, baby. It's the side-to-side stuff that we're worried about. Well, the only thing that you and Naheem Hines may have in common is the fact that he couldn't practice today either. So (laughs) He is with the team, though, but the only reason why, just for clerical purposes, Zach Moss has to pass his physical with the Colts, so therefore they both the guys, he has passed his physical, Hines has, but he couldn't practice today from the portion we saw. Who knows? Maybe Zach Moss is packed. He passed it by the time we've been out here talking, and he's out there. But he is the newest addition to the Bills. All right, how did the trade hit you when you first heard? I loved it. Loved it. I think that they added a weapon. I think that they did it, and it didn't cost them a ton. I think he gives them something they haven't had. I think he does a little bit of everything, which helps them. I think he's a good not amazing, but an above-average punt returner. He can return kicks if he needs to. He can be a pass-catching running back. I mean, they keep looking for this. So clearly it's a position that they value. They tried it with McKissick. They tried it with drafting James Cook. Now they're going out and they're spending money on or expending, you know, spending resources on adding Hines. So I really like it. I think it is a low-risk, high-reward move. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would say 
it's not even it's funny like how can you say it's not going to take away from James Cook a little bit because even Brandon Bean said that's not the case and it's hard not to see it that way but what I do think Matt is I was thinking more about this and listening to Brandon Bean I actually believe the Bills believe they got better in three areas with this trade number one they got a pass catching running back you've been looking for it since March we know that he adds to the depth of that room number two they get a veteran punt returner as opposed to a rookie when the wind starts going and the weather starts turning here at Highmark Stadium and not to say they didn't trust Khalil Shakir, but here's a guy that you've seen do it, right? He's done it. He's done it in the league. But maybe the biggest byproduct that hasn't really been discussed enough is if you do take Shakir off punt returns, it's a little allow him to be on the offensive side more and do more on offense, focus more on that. And they may have actually given themselves a boost at the wide receiver spot with Khalil Shakir by allowing him to not have to return punts either. I agree with all of that. And I think that the thing that I keep coming back to is as we have a plane come right over our heads. That's pretty close, actually. It's a little lower than normal. It's also like kind of tilted. I think it's going to be okay. I think they're just trying to... I hope everything is okay. It looks a little weird. Yeah, that was a little strange. Okay, going back to Naheem Hines. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that he can do that they don't currently have. And some people are like, well... You could just use Devin Singletary if you want to run the ball. Well, you can just pass the ball to James Cook if you want to do that. And I think in theory all of those things are true. But I think they believe Hines is an upgrade. At not dif- not the same thing, but at different things. I think they believe that this is an upgrade in the pass game for James Cook. And I think they believe, you know, Devin Singletary is still going to be their guy on first down, on second down. He's a home run hitter. That's what they need. They need somebody who they can put in the backfield and they can move out wide. They can swing him around. They can do everything with him. So I, I really like it. I mean, Naheem Hines was averaging five yards a carry this year. I mean, I know that the Colts have well, we thought they had an elite offensive line. It doesn't seem like they do really anymore. But, yeah, I, I just think that it's a smart move. And we're still looking at this plane, by the way. It's been really weird. Yeah, you're talking to me, and I'm watching this plane to make sure that everything's okay. It's kind of it's circling, I guess. It's circling, or, circling Orchard Park. I mean, I don't. I hope everything's okay. I don't want to make a uh, Bill Belichick joke or something like that, you know, watching yeah. Bill's practice uh, as we go along here. But hopefully everything's okay. The other part of this is a postscript. All right, so postscript on Zach Moss's career in Buffalo. Just didn't work out. I think they were expecting more to be short yarded situations, to be the goal line guy, maybe to be a better pass blocker. That's not to say that, you know, I regret them trying to make that decision. Like at the time, I praised it. I said, wow, you got a really nice compliment to Devin Singletary. You got fire and ice. They can both do something different. It just didn't work out. So sometimes you have to know when to cut your losses. And I feel like that's what Brandon Bean did. So the Bills trade a sixth-round pick and Zach Moss, as you hear the plane over top of us. It's kind of a weird podcast to be doing with this. It looks like a military plane, actually, so maybe that's why. They're doing some maneuvers or something like that. But the Bills trade Zach Moss and a sixth-round pick to the Colts for Naheem Hines. We don't know if he's going to play this week or not. Maybe he punt re- returns some punts. Maybe he gets involved in the offense a little bit. As you said, they have been searching for this type of player. What they did not get was a bigger back, a guy maybe to help in short yardage. Um, Brandon Bean was asked about that a little bit. You know, he talked about how he thinks Devin Singletary's done a good job there. We also know that they like to use Josh Allen. Do you think that's still missing from this roster? No, Reggie Gilliam can do it. If you really want somebody who can just take at least the ball. as a blocker, right? Yeah, but you're talking about even handing him the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you've got a third and one situation, if you've got a fourth and inches situation, you should be able to have anybody be able to get that. I think that's more on the line than it is on the running back, quite frankly. So if you want to use Reggie Gilliam for that, I also know people are talking about Josh Allen rushing too much, but when you're quarter quarterback is a giant and you're in those short yarded situations just QB sneak it 
it should work. I know there have been times when it hasn't, but no, I am not concerned that they don't have a big bruising running back. I don't think you need one. I think that that's a misconception from all of the years of football, the tough gridiron, back in the day, hard-hitting stuff. I don't think you need that anymore. I think there's a lot of teams that don't have that that have had plenty of success. I mean, think about it. When's the last have the Chiefs had that guy? Who's the last bruiser running back the Chiefs has had, have had? I don't know the answer to that. How about the Rams last year? I mean, Cam Akers isn't really that guy. Or... They didn't really use those guys that no, much anyway. I mean, that's what I mean. So, like, you think back to the teams that have won it. I, the Bucs had Leonard Fournette. That's a big one. But I just don't think that that's something a modern-day NFL team needs, especially when you have Josh Allen. So I compared Naheem Hines to J.D. McKissick, the player that kind of started all this whole thing with the Bills back in March. It is wild, Matt. 2018 is when Naheem Hines came into the league. Since 2018 till now, him and J.D. McKissick have averaged the exact same number of receptions per game and yards receiving per game. 3.3 receptions, 24 yards. That is crazy. I feel like that's like, you know, it's perfect. It's poetic justice that it happened this way. At the end of the day, McKissick wouldn't have cost you anything. Hines does. But when you see the window that you're in, I mean, this team's 6-1. and one. We really do think that this is the best team in football, one of the best teams in football. When you see that window, you go for it. And knowing what we know, Zach Moss, they might have had to cut Zach Moss just to get Hines on the team. We don't know if he would have made the team if they signed McKissick. So I'm not really thinking about that. I'm thinking about the sixth that could be a conditional fifth. If you lose the fifth, if it becomes a fifth and you lose it, chances are you probably had a really good season. Maybe you got to where you're trying to go. So it doesn't bother me at all. All right, let's talk about the other move the Bills made at the trade deadline. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, Dean Marlowe comes back to the Bills. He was here. In fact, Dean Marlowe predates everybody on this roster when it comes to Sean McDermott. He was with McDermott for two years in Carolina before McDermott got the head coaching job. That's how much Sean McDermott loves him some Dean Marlowe, and this is a guy that did a really good job when he was in a backup role for the Bills and had to fill in for Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. Didn't go so well necessarily in Atlanta. He was actually on the wrong end of that uh, that Hail Mary that happened yep. last week with DJ Moore, but I mean, man, I, I just feel so comfortable having a guy like that back there with Jordan Poyer's injury knowing like a hide is out. I think it's really important a couple things. Brandon Bean told us that they looked into more than 10 safeties. So the fact that they were looking into these safeties and they still went with Dean Marlowe, I don't know what the other teams were asking for for those safeties, but I think they really do trust him. I think they value his leadership. I think they value his familiarity with the organization. It's also massive news that Jordan Poyer was told, said to be day-to-day on Wednesday when we talked to Sean McDermott huge. Brandon Bean. That's huge news because a lot of people didn't know. A lot of people were like, oh, they went and out and traded for Dean Marlowe because they think Poyer's going to be hurt, but he's not. Bless you. Thank you. 
Keep going. You go. Yeah, so the other part of that news is, too, just from the injuries, to wrap that up, and we'll get back to Dean Marlowe. Matt Milano, also day-to-day, which is really significant because an oblique injury can be one of those things where it either can be a quick turnaround or it can be quite lengthy, but day-to-day for Matt Milano is obviously really good news. And also, Tredavious White not ruled out. Maybe something will be different by the time everybody listens to this podcast, but as of Wednesday, it was a pretty emphatic no. He has not been ruled out from Sean McDermott, which I think is telling because with Tredavious White, there have been times when he has been ruled out early in the week. Yeah, and going back to Dean Marlowe, the other thing this does for me, Matt, is it kind of doesn't force them to shuffle the deck, so to speak, right? You have questions about, well, would Christian Benford have to, you know, transition to safety a little bit? Would they have to use Cam Lewis a little bit more back there? They don't have to do that now with this group. No, you now have got a stable of guys, a full stable of guys with Jordan Poyer when he is fully healthy, Damar Hamlin. I would imagine those are still the two guys that they lean on the most, but then you've got Jaquan Johnson, you've got Dean Marlowe, so you've got some guys who have been in the system for a long time. I mean, Jaquan has been here for a long time. Dean Marlowe started games for this team a couple years ago before he left, so I just think it gives you a little bit more of an insurance policy, and for a seventh-round pick, I think that is well worth it. So the Bills had a seventh-round pick. They had traded to the Carolina Panthers for Andre Smith, so they didn't have their seventh-round pick. But that actually did not go through because it was conditional, and Andre Smith is no longer on the team. Whatever the condition was, the Bills did not have to relinquish it. So they take that seventh-round pick, and they trade it for DeMarlo. That's smart. That's really interesting. It's funny that it works out that way. And one other thing that I do want to mention is, because we did talk to Brandon Bean today, well, two things that I want to mention. One, they called on Christian McCaffrey. He clarified that, and I find that very interesting. I mean, he said he was there when he was in Carolina, so he's got a familiarity with him, and he would not be doing his due diligence if he did. But I think the fact that they were calling on him, he also addressed the Kamara situation. He said, I never spoke to the general manager of the Saints, but, you know, some conversations happened with other people and the organizations, whatever. And also Odell Beckham. He was asked about Odell Beckham, and if the continues rumor, to not give a straight answer, which is a straight, which is telling us something. Right. The fact that he was asked about if the team has interest in Odell Beckham, and he said he's a heck of a player, and if I want to get the direct quote, so let me look at it real quick because I don't want to screw this up. Do you remember exactly what he said? I, I, I know it was something. It ha- there's a lot of factors involved. Is basically what he said. Matt's going to find it for you. He's going to pulling out his Twitter at. Matt underscore Bove, by the way. Thank you for the plug. If we think he can help this team, we'd be crazy not to look into it. That was the quote. So when you hear him talk about the talent that Odell Beckham has, and then you hear him say that, I think it really tells me, yes, they are interested. It's got to be the right price. You know, I know the salary cap isn't real to a lot of people. They still have to be able to make it work. But I think if Odell Beckham is willing to take a deal that the Bills can make work on their books, there is a chance we could see him on this team later in the year for a playoff run to try and win a Super Bowl. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. We were out of practice a little bit earlier today. Um, we saw Naheem Hines, like I said, didn't really take part. We did see Spencer Brown return, too. That's big news, going back to some of the injury stuff. That could really help an offensive line that I think a lot of us, you and I included, thought maybe that could be a target for a trade. But getting a guy, if they're, if they're healthy, there's really no need. But I think it's the concern of not being healthy, and Spencer Brown coming back would be big. Also, Ike Butker, we have not yeah. seen him, but he was not ruled out for the rest of the season, which is big, because if he comes back, that's at least some veteran depth that you have in your back pocket. As far as Spencer Brown is concerned, I think if he's 100% or close, 
you have him play this weekend. But I also liked what we saw from Questenberry last week. So I think that you should probably feel comfortable enough against a Jets team starting either one of those players. I think this is going to be similar to the situation we saw with the Steelers. I think they've got a lot of guys who are day-to-day. If they had to play, if this was a playoff game, if this was the Chiefs game, they probably would. I don't necessarily know if there's any rush to get the... Tredavious White's the perfect example. If Tredavious White is 100%, you put him on the field. If he's not, especially that field (laughs) in New York, maybe you just go, we'll take another week. Let's get you back at home. Let's give you another week. We think we'll be okay. But if you've got a healthy tray and he's like, hey, I'm ready to go, put me out there, I think you put him on a snap count. You let him play a couple snaps. You let him play a couple series. You lean on the other guys. Yeah, the Jets are better this year than they've been in the past, but I would think that the guys you have on the roster right now, especially with the way Zach Wilson has been playing these last couple weeks, can probably get the job done. Yeah, they're not playing the greatest pass offense in the world. They do have you know some talent on that team, no doubt. The other one I was super interested in is, Brandon Bean said he's not going to say that Jamison Crowder's out for the year necessarily, a little bit too early. And, you know, I'm not... I'm not here to say that Jameson Crowder would be some big addition, but it's always great to have another veteran in case of emergency. If they get into the playoffs, then suddenly, hey, Jameson Crowder's healthy. Yeah, Jameson Crowder was a weird one when he was here because he made a couple really nice plays, but I don't think he was utilized to the level that some people thought he would be. Maybe that was because Isaiah McKenzie was playing really well at that point. Khalil Shakir was starting to kind of turn a corner. So he didn't get the snaps that we thought he would get. A lot of people were just like, hey, this is going to be the replacement for Cole Beasley. This guy is going to be utilized a ton in the offense. Then he ever wasn't, and then he got hurt. So when he got hurt, a lot of people, ourselves included, were like, well, yeah, it's a loss for the Bills. He's a veteran. You could trust him. But I don't think this changes the outlook of the season. If you get him back, though, he's a guy you probably have active on your 53-man roster. You're probably playing him in a playoff game if you're in that situation. So, yeah, just an interesting thing to kind of keep on the back burner. So before we um, wrap up this segment, I want to go back to you just mentioned Isaiah, and I forgot to say this earlier. Do you think the addition of Naheem Hines is actually some sort of indictment on Isaiah McKenzie? Because listen to the way Brandon B. talked about him. Jet sweeps, can be a slot receiver. We can, might They might be able to use Khalil Shakir more on offense. I, look. Isaiah hasn't been the most consistent player. I think they can still do different things. I think there should be roles in the offense for both of them, and I think that's why it's so promising to have the option. I mean, if you put both of those guys on the field, they're not players you can just ignore, especially Naheem. Like, Naheem Hines has a very impressive resume, and a lot of people around the league know what that guy can do. So I think it just gives them options, and I think they really like options. Well, we're actually changing it up a little bit. What we had originally planned was to talk mostly about the Jets, but we also wanted to make sure we mentioned Tredavious White because we actually heard from Trey White for the first time in almost a year. It kind of caught everybody by surprise. Essentially, so you guys all know what happens, was we were sitting there doing a press conference with Von Miller, and we were in the field house, and all of a sudden, Trey White, came into the field house. He started walking towards the locker room and it looks like he started talking to a couple reporters and that couple reporters turned into everybody in the building within a couple minutes because it's been that long since we have talked to him. So Sal, I mean, he talked for like 17 minutes. It was the first time we've heard from him. He, he made us, uh, he gave us plenty of things to talk about on the podcast. So what did you take away from the conversation with Trey? Yeah, and first of all, uh, no planes now. We've transitioned. We are actually now in uh, Studio Bove and Studio Capaccio <laughs> talking here. Uh, the first two segments, we were out at practice, and then um, we wanted to see what happened at practice, and then we decided to kind of do it this way to recap You know what happened. So the so if the sound's a little bit different for everybody, there's no planes flying overhead, and no. uh, we, we, we can just talk here. So 
I just thought it was super enlightening. I thought it was really um, great that Trey was so transparent and talked about the mental hurdles and the physical hurdles of coming back from this injury. He said he'd never been hurt, never had a surgery. And, you know, you feel for people that this is their livelihood. It's their life. And this is what he's worked his whole life for. And it was taken away from him. And, you know, such a, a quick, you know, just, just horrible, you know, instance in, in New Orleans last year. And he's had to work so hard to get back. But now they're in this position where, you know, they can add this great player back to the roster. And we don't know if it's going to happen this week. He said it, you know, he's taking it day by day as well. But I really, um, I appreciated his honesty and transparency and talked about some dark days. You know, it reminded me of Harrison Phillips when he talked about this a lot. Remember that a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. when he was coming back from his injury and um, talked about some dark days and his family pulling him through, his teammates pulling him through. He said he locked himself in his basement at times and his teammates had to get him. I don't know if that was being metaphorical or true, but basically you, you get the point. And he said, um, Mike Hyde was a real good resource for him throughout this process as well, because, you know, Mike has really been pumping him up and positive. And I think, um, sounds like, you know, Trey is, is ready and eager to get out there, but he's not, he's not you know, like forcing the issue either. For sure. And I think it's funny that he mentioned Micah Hyde specifically and how it comes full circle because now they need to support Micah as he is the one who is battling back from an injury. But when you talk about transparency, I give Trey White so much credit for opening up. I give hit because it's not an easy thing to talk about. He was basically mentioning that I soon realized after the injury that I wasn't going to be a football player for a long, long time. And for my entire life, that's what I've been. I've been a football player. I've been an athlete. And I realized that that can't be my identity. And it's almost like anybody dealing with something with work, with something in their personal lives. It's just really interesting. So many people are defined by their job. They're defined by their family. They're defined by, you know, what they've done in the past or what they're trying to do. And he just made it very clear that for his own mental and physical health, he needed to find a new passion. He needed to find a new purpose. And it's not an easy thing to talk about, but he said that he did a lot of work on his mental health. He really started to read books about different topics. He tried to spend all of the time that he dedicated towards playing football to being with his family because he knows during the season, he doesn't get to spend as much time with his family as he would like. So it was really eye opening to see what it's like to go through that not just from the physical standpoint, because I think we talked to him for 17 minutes. We barely talked about, okay, how is it cutting on your ankle or how is it running up and down? Or do you feel like you're as fast or anything like that? Because it was a conversation that was more than football. And and I think that that's important. He said that Michelle Tafoya sent him Mm -hmm. a book. It's called the obstacle is the way I've actually looked into this book since he talked about it. it was written in 2014. Um, I'll read what it says here a book which offers individuals a framework to flip obstacles into opportunities. Really interesting, right? And uh, Michelle Tafoya, I bring this up because Trey said, good friend, and she sent it to me. She was on the field that night with me doing the sideline reporting for the Uh, Thursday night game when that happened. And I remember when he came out of that tent and I looked at Michelle and I said, he's pretty emotional, right? And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, he's crying, right? He was, he was like that night he knew, right? That night he knew and he went back and he talked about how emotional it was for him and, you know, trying to get over it right away. And, you know, it it took a long time for him to kind of get back into that, that frame of mind to the long road ahead and the recovery was just super engaging, super interesting from Trey. And I really appreciate his insight on that.
That was a weird one. I remember going back to not to reflect too much in the past because yeah. this is something that he's trying to move forward on. But I remember at that game, the minute that he got hurt, it almost felt like the game didn't matter anymore right, because right. of the stature that Trey White has with the team. Yeah. So you were on the field. You saw his emotion. We're up in the press box. I was actually texting Dan Fates from Rochester and he was like, Hey, it's bad. He's like, I'm down here on the field. It's, this is not good. So then you start to think, okay, everybody probably jumps to the conclusion that it's what it is. And then you're just hoping that it's not. And I remember it was, so it was Thanksgiving day. The next day I flew from new Orleans to Orlando and met a bunch of friends at Disney world for three days. We spent the weekend at Disney world. And I remember I was in line with like six or seven friends and girlfriends and wives and stuff. And the alert came up on the phone that I think it was Adam Schefter that Tredavious white will miss the rest of the year. And you know, you've got these, so obviously doing what we do for a living, it's a little bit different, but you've got these bills fans and just to see their faces turn from, Oh my goodness, this is the team that can win the super bowl to, Oh my goodness. They just lost their identity on defense. They just lost the guy that has locked down that corner spot for four or five years was wild. So I think that that's also relevant that, you know, it's a little story I told, to what they're getting back. And I know it's going to take a little bit of time, but we don't think about that. Think about how good this defense has been these last couple, these last 12 months. And now you're adding a guy like that back. We still have never seen a defense that has Von Miller and Tredavious white. Think about that. One of the reasons they got Von Miller was because they wanted to get after the quarterback. But so many times we've heard that helps your corners because they don't have to cover as long. Well, now the corners like Trey white can help the pass rush. And maybe this quarterback has to hold on to the ball for that extra second. So I think we talked about this a little bit before we talked to Trey white. I think they need to ease him into things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think just getting him healthy for the playoffs is what's most important. And I think that's what they're going to do. You know, who else knows that uh, they have, they're really good back there. Tredavious white. The, one of the funnier parts is when he was asked about, you know, how well these young guys have played. And he goes, Oh, my team's pretty good. Huh? You've watched my team. They're pretty good. And he (laughs) laughed like he, he knows what he, what he has here as as far as his teammates. And the fact that I think that's probably part of the reason why he also feels like, I don't have to rush it. These guys are doing a great job. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to get on the field when I can. I don't know about this week though, Matt, we've talked a lot about the MetLife turf, right? I mean, how much Mm -hmm. that might factor into this. Um, it, Sean McDermott did not rule him out for this week. He also didn't rule him in, um, but we'll see. I, I wouldn't be shocked to be played, but I'm thinking maybe you wait another week. You get him back home in a home environment, back in Buffalo on the stadium and the turf that you're used to um, just maybe more comfortability there. Mm-hmm. And you're not playing a world beating offense either necessarily in the Jets. So I, I, as I sit here right now, I would probably say, I mean, they have seven available healthy corners, including Trey. So they don't have to do it. As I sit here right now, my guess might be that he doesn't play, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the schedule because I had a little bit of a brain fart. So it's Minnesota, then Cleveland. Then Cleveland, yeah. So I think two home games after this. Two home games after this. So it's interesting because I do think that you would probably want him to play his first game at home and not on that field at MetLife because of all the issues that there have been at MetLife. That being said, Minnesota is certainly a more high-powered offense than the Jets. So I don't think that if we see Trey White come out here next week 
it's like, okay, go cover Justin Jefferson every single play. That's not kind of how I think right. it would go. I think right. it would just be like, listen, you know, we're going to have him out there. We're going to have him doing what we want him to do on a limited snap count. But that's the thing that's, I think, so exciting for Bills fans is that you are getting that person back. And even if it does take a little bit of time, I think it'll be worth it in the long run because Tredavious White, when he's playing his best, when he's healthy, is a lockdown top cornerback in the NFL. And you combine that with a pass rush that's must improve, much improved, a linebacking group that has played exceptional this year, and now a corner or in a secondary that has exceeded expectations, even in the face of adversity. I think you're talking about a defense that could really, really, really create some problems for people. All right, let's talk about the Jets. The Bills take on the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Sunday at 1 p.m. It's going to be really nice. It's going to be like mid-70s. It's going to be great. Like feels like a September game here in uh, November, which is really cool. The Jets are pretty much near the bottom in, or at least bottom third in most major statistical offensive categories. But that's also with Brees Hall in the lineup. He is no longer in the lineup. Obviously, he's out for the year, unfortunately. Really exciting player for them. But I would say the path to victory for them probably still lies in them trying to control the game if they can on the ground and playing really good defense, they have a very good defense. They have players at all three levels, uh, really talented players at all three levels. I just don't know. I mean, they're ranked. If you look at the, their um, points allowed is less than 20 a game. Mm-hmm. They are sixth in the league in yards per game allowed and third in the league in yards per play allowed. So I think that's a really good defense against a very obviously explosive bills offense. I just don't know if they'll be able to get there. Even if they can hold the bills offense down a little bit, I'm not sure that that their offense is going to be able to do much damage against the bills. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you talk about the three players at all levels that are really, really high powered, it's important to give them Quinn and Williams is awesome. Mm-hmm. When they, when they drafted him, that was a name. I don't know if you remember the night of that draft, there were a bunch of rumors that the bills were potentially going to try and trade up. And we all yep. thought they would be trading up for Quinn and Williams. They got at Oliver. They're very, very happy with how Ed Oliver has turned out. Quinn and Williams, though, is a freak of nature. CJ Mosley. Remember a couple of years ago, it was in 2019, right when they got CJ Mosley, he took over that game and then he got hurt. And then the bills were able yep. to make a comeback. CJ Mosley was playing out of his mind. And then the he sat year. out, he sat out the COVID year. Uh-huh. So like it's Bill's fans. He's a difference maker. I know he's a little bit older now. And then sauce Gardner. I mean, he was a really, really high draft pick. It seems like his career is off to a great start. I do want to point out one thing and it's not anything that you didn't say, but you basically, you were talking about how they're holding teams to less than 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. And I think that deserves credit. They also haven't played that many good offenses. Great any high powered offenses. So I think that inflates the number a little bit. When you look at the teams that I think are, you know, better than average, the Ravens scored 24. So it's not like it was a huge day. The Browns scored 30 and still lost. And the Bengals scored 27 after that. They've really reined it in these last four weeks, five weeks, but they've played the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, and the Patriots. So I think the Bills have an opportunity to go out and put up some points on this team, even though the defense is better. I still think that, you know, 30 should kind of be the threshold for the Bills in almost like every game that they play, regardless of how good the defense is, how bad the defense is. I think 30 is kind of their over under that you could almost set just like clockwork. I mean, they scored 27 against the Packers and they only had three points in the second half. And I think the Packers defense is about the same level as the jets defense. So I I, I don't think, go ahead. Yeah. The bills, I think too, are 
kind of smarting a bit after last week, right? On offense, don't they want to kind of get after a little bit? And, uh, you know, they, they want to play better. They did not play their best game, their a game in the second half. And even, you know, you could feel Sean McDermott after the game talking about them not playing great. And, you know, that's, that's starts with him. He's got to do a better job and Josh Allen being upset, you know, how the offense played. And, you know, this is a game where maybe we'll see, you know, it's going to be really good conditions and we'll see what this offense does. Let me ask you a question um, before we head out of here. Zach Wilson, is he the starting quarterback of the jets opening day, 2023? Yes, he is. I believe so. I think that Zach Wilson has an interesting kind of arc to his career and it was trending in the right direction, then hit a wall and now is trending back in the wrong direction. I think when you've invested that much in a quarterback, you give it a little bit more time, or at least you should give it a little bit more time. Like Sam Darnold, they moved on from him eventually, but they gave him a little bit of time. It's funny because Sam Darnold had better numbers at this point in his career than Zach Wilson has had. I do think there's some talent there. I do trust the jets and what they're doing. I like their coaching staff. I like the moves that they've made. I think there's some really nice options there. It stinks though, because they lose Brees hall. Brees hall made this team a completely different team. I know he's just one player, but they were so dynamic with him on the field. Now you lose him. Michael Carter doesn't have that same juice that Brees hall had. And I think that ultimately is forcing Zach Wilson into making some bad throws and some bad decisions. That's what he did last week against the Patriots. So I do think that he's going to be the starting quarterback for them next year, but I think the leash will be pretty short if it's not, you know, significant improvement by this time in 2023 real quick. Uh, let's wrap up. Just take a look ahead to week number nine in the NFL, a couple of interesting games that, um, you know, we could just touch on very briefly here. Chargers are at the Falcons. A big game for the Chargers. You know, they're sitting there at four and three in the AFC West. They're trying to keep pace with the Chiefs. They go to a Falcons team that got a gift last week, obviously, in that Carolina game. But um, Chargers Falcons is interesting to me. And then I'll, let, I'll give you Dolphins and Bears. I mean, look, the Bears they they make the trade for Claypool. I don't I don't expect the, them to beat the Dolphins, but. They are the kind of team like they did against the Patriots that one week. They could just kind of rise up at any moment. I, I wouldn't give them a zero chance. That's for sure. I see. I think I would. I think the dolphins are, I think the dolphins are good. I said yesterday that the dolphins are the fourth best team in the AFC. And someone asked me who the third was. And then I kind of sat there and thought about it. And I was like, wow, maybe it is the dolphins. Cause I mean, it's the bills and the chiefs one, two after that. Probably I think the Ravens and Dolphins have to go. That's what I said. Four, four, three, I, right? I said Ravens. They said Dolphins. Then the conversation was, if you had to play one of those teams in the playoffs, who would you be more scared of? And they emphatically said the Dolphins. And I was like, wow, really? I was like, I think I would say the Ravens. I would, I would say, say Lamar. Ja- I would say Lamar Jackson. Tell me where the game is too. You come into Buffalo because I don't think that offense necessarily works in the, in the, the cold and the wind in Buffalo in January, like it does right now in Miami. You're right, but I do still think with those playmakers, Waddle and Hill are the best wide receiver combo Mm -hmm. in the NFL right now. They're great. And then they go out and you get Jeff Wilson with a guy who's coached him and who has had a lot of success with him in addition to Mostert. Gasecki's a nice player. And I mean, Tua just looks rock solid right now. He looks great. I know there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this podcast and their eyes are going to roll and they're going to be like, oh, the sample size is small. Let's give it time. I don't disagree. I I think that Tua is really, really ascending right now. So regardless, I think that Miami handles Chicago. I think that Miami could string together a lot of wins in a row. And that makes that game in Buffalo in late December that much more interesting. Cause I mean, you look at the dolphins remaining schedule here. So they got the bears, then they go Browns at home, Texans at home on the road at the 49ers 
That's it's, pretty, it gets a little tougher at the end. The end for sure. So this is their final six. And the, the Browns are not a pushover right now at all. No, the, they, no, they really the, took it to the Bengals the other night. No, the Browns are not a pushover, but I think that the Dolphins are pretty close to the Bills. And I think like all these teams that the Bills, not pretty close, but I think they're closer to the Bills than maybe some people want to admit. And you look at the Bills remaining schedule, it's games against the Vikings, the Browns, the Jets, the Patriots, and most Bills fans are like, oh, win, 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 win. So I think that the Dolphins maybe should get the benefit of the doubt there a little bit. Their last six games, though, are really hard. At 49ers, at Chargers, oh my God. At 49ers, at Chargers, at Bills, three in a row on the road. Oof. Yeah, and and well, two of those are in, in the way. Again, to me, tell me what the offense looks like when they have to go outdoors in a colder weather climate later. I, I just yeah. think it's a different, it's a, it's a different animal. I'm not saying you got to run the ball and be tough. Like we talk about that. You're, you're talking about a speed offense with a quarterback that has ascended. I agree with you, but does not have the strongest arm. And I, but they I don't, wonder what that, but, my, but they don't have to, I see what I very much see what you're saying for like the conversation of a potential playoff game in Buffalo, but right. for the rest of their season, sure. they don't really have to do that because they're remaining. Oh, right. They've got two home games. Those road games are at the 49ers and at the Chargers. The weather's not going to be a factor there. The only games where it becomes a potential factor are at the Bills on December 18th and at the Patriots on January 1st. But besides that, they've got all the rest of their games. There shouldn't be any issue with weather, cold, any of that stuff. So I do think that there's a chance because they're five and three, right? Are they? That's the. Yeah, they, they're five and three right now. And obviously, with, with Tua healthy, they're a much, much different team. All right. Before we head out of here, we, we literally have to wrap up here. Titans, Chiefs, Sunday night. Any chance for the Titans to sneak up on the Chiefs? They did beat them last year. No, I don't think so. I think the Chiefs. They're 12 and a half point underdogs, the Titans. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, what were they against Mon- against the Bills on Monday Night Football? It was something, like that something too, similar right? to that, too. Yeah. What do you think? What's your final score prediction? For yeah. I, uh, probably a higher scoring game right there. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs, let's say. 31 to I'll say 24. Like, I don't know if they cover the spread, but I think the Titans can, can probably score a few points. How about Ravens at saints Monday night football? We just talked about the Ravens saints shut out the Raiders last week. This is a big uh, play for them. This is big. By the way, hear that alert. That's the bills signing, making practice squads. So that's my alert when the bills text. Oh, okay. I just got so the we're, same. We're li- what is it? Isaiah, Isaiah uh, Coulter to Coulter. And Jared, Jared was released. So yeah. not Isaiah Hodgins, by the way, because he was claimed by the giants, which we didn't talk about yesterday. Uh, prediction Ravens at saints Monday night and real quick on Isaiah Hodgins. Okay. Isaiah Hodgins. I know it stinks. He was a nice prospect. He was a nice player. This is just business in the NFL. When you've got a really, really, really talented 53 man roster. Yep. I think the saints are overrated. I understand that they're coming off a game when they shut somebody out. I think the Ravens belong in the conversation of that second best tier in the AFC. I think the Ravens will go on the road and get a win. Saints are always tough in a nighttime game at home. It's always tough. They, they have a, they have a nice crowd that shows up and, and, and supports them. We saw that uh, with the bills last year, but that was a different scenario. They were very banged up. Um, yeah, probably. I don't know. I might pick the saints in that game. I, I think, really. Uh, yeah, I, I might. I, I just think that um, it, there's a situation where, yeah, the Ravens go over there and they look really good so far. But um, we've also seen the Ravens lay some stinkers, so we'll see. But they're obviously going. They made the trade as well for um, Roquan Smith, so you know yeah. that'll, that'll probably um, that'll help him give him a shot in the arm. All right, Isaiah Hodgins, good luck to him. Was never going to happen in Buffalo. I'll say this, Matt. He's going to have a game down the road in the Giants. Going to have like six catches, fifty yards, and a touchdown. Bills fans like, oh my god, I can't believe you get rid of this yeah. guy. He would never have that opportunity in Buffalo. He would not, mm-hmm. you're going to play more Diggs. You're going to play more Davis. It's all about opportunity. All Absolutely. Right. 
Bills Jets. Let's um, let's get into a final uh, prediction. What, what's your score prediction? So I'm going to go with, you know, how I said 30 is my kind of over under like clockwork every week. I'm going to creep just over. I'm going to say bills 31. I'm going to say actually, no, I'm going to stick there. I'm going to say bills 31 jets 17. Hmm. Jets defense is pretty good. I think the bills, bills defense will give their offense a lot of opportunity with maybe short fields Mm -hmm. would really help. I'll go a little wider. I'm going to say Bills 30, Jets 13. I can't see the Jets scoring more than like 13 points in this game. I just yeah, I think it's I, my 17 is almost like uh, I think the Bills are in a pretty good space and they're just kind of like a backdoor late touchdown because the backups are in or something. Uh, all be yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah. this Jets team is definitely better, but I don't think they're there quite yet. All right. Download, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. It's always game day in Buffalo. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. And of course, we'll be back right away next week after the bills take on the jets and look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings the following week here on the podcast. Thanks a lot again.